0: bears lose on the road 12 to 20 in a tight game that slipped through valus jones fingers right at the very end i bring on aaron lemming to help me walk through the game on this episode of bear with me What's going on, everybody, and welcome back to Bear With Me, a Chicago Bears podcast hosted by yours truly, Robert Schmitz, right here on the Windy City Gridiron podcasting channel. And I am here with Aaron Lemming as we talk through a New York Giants loss in the Meadowlands as in a 20-12 contest, the Bears fell, kicked four field goals, muffed a punt at the end. Honestly, a lot of mistakes, Aaron, but... I don't know about you, I actually feel better coming out of this loss than I did coming out of the Texans win, because I felt like Fields showed a little bit of progress. Now, I know, from talking to you in the pre-show, that's not quite how you felt. So tell me, how are you feeling, Aaron?
1: Well, I I think there's multiple levels, right? Multiple levels to this, just because, yes, they aren't a rebuild. Uh, Fields did, in my opinion, look a lot better. Did he look great? No, but he did look a lot better considering the circumstances. But I think for me, the biggest the biggest concern that I have right now is the coaching, man. Like, it's you're in a rebuild. And I understand that, obviously, coaches aren't going to look at things the same way as fans are. Like, coaches aren't going to look at this and say, yeah, we have the leeway to lose as many games as we want. But the reality of it is, is that this is the least accountable that they're going to be in the win-loss column the entire time that they are in Chicago. This is a time to take chances. This is a time to figure out what you have at Justin Fields and let him throw the ball 35 to forty times a game this is the time to take chances and i feel like the bears are doing the exact opposite and that's where again you know a lot of people want to point to the offensive line receivers all that stuff and that's fine but this is just the same thing that we've all been talking about all throughout the offseason where people excuse us oh the polls has got a plan everything's going to be fine these groups are going to be better than everybody thinks it is the national media hates them; these aren't as bad as they think and now all of a sudden <laughs> that is what is the blame for justin fields so it's like it's just, I, that's where the frustration comes in. The wins and the losses I don't care about, but I do think that in order for them to develop this roster, especially offensively, they've got to get a lot more aggressive and they've got to get a lot more creative.
0: Oh, absolutely. I mean, I know on YouTube, I was crowing about the run game's creativity, and I mean, it felt like Aaron, to me at least, after seeing a whole bunch of, like, they'd pull guards to run G lead, they'd have Kari Blazing game in at fullback, they'd use toss actions to both hit on outside and insides of the formation. They probably ran four toss plays today. All of them went for five, two of them went for ten yards, except for one, which was a loss of yards, partially because Tristan Ebner didn't read his cutback lane correctly because he's a rookie running Back. That stuff happens when you're a seventh rounder. It was bizarre to see the running game that had been so creative suddenly, if you saw what I saw, Aaron, become a whole lot of take the snap, hand it off, run inside zone up the middle hope, you know, three yards in a cloud of dust kind of thing. And it certainly didn't put Justin Fields in positive scenarios where it certainly didn't look like the offense had a great plan to handle the blitz. We had a couple of nice moments where Fields showed his athleticism. I thought he looked more decisive today overall, Aaron. I mean, he's not going to get credit for a lot of the third downs he converted when you look at his quarterback stat sheet because it won't show you the rushing yards, of which he had five carries for 53 yards. And a lot of that really was understanding, okay, nobody's Open, they dropped into zone. I can pick this up with my feet and just going out and making a play. I I thought Fields really did look solid today. And like you're saying, it's bizarre to me to see the coaches put the Bears in a situation where not once but twice on third and relatively short, like third and four or less, they ran the ball. They got some yards, but not all yards, and then they either kicked a field goal or punted when going forward on fourth down would have been At the very least, an easily defendable decision because sometimes, Aaron, it feels like coaches try to go for the safest call. But there is a point where playing not to lose just loses you the football game. Very John Fox-like, right? And so if if this kind of stuff can't change where – we continue to see a defensive head coach playing defensive head coach football, run the ball a lot, limit your quarterback's opportunity, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. I think that's going to be a real problem. But for now, I guess at least we have an offense that moved the ball a little more than usual. Fields cracked 150 passing yards. That feels kind of momentous, right?
1: (laughs) I mean, that is such a low bar. That's crazy. And he had, what, 120 of those in the first half alone? Yeah, it's, it's crazy. You know, what's funny is I'm actually, I'm watching the Packers and, uh, and and Patriots game right now. And this is something that I wondered like in game, and I'm going to ask you this because I'm curious, is it just like, do you have to sign a contract as an offensive mind that once you come to Chicago, you cannot throw a slant? Yeah. Because I, I don't know how many times that we saw it over the last few years in Green Bay. I mean, the Bears, uh, the Green Bay has killed the Bears with slants, right? This is something that could drastically help the passing offenses, especially in those types of situations that you just talked about. Where it's it's you know second and third and short and you just need to get something momentous that's not a run, and yet I don't correct me if I'm wrong. I don't think that the Bears have called a single slant the entire season.
0: So they called one. It was on third and sixteen. It was to equinamia St. Brown, and there's a decent chance that you were firing off a tweet about how disappointed you were in Fields' sack and missed it because the that's next fun. play they immediately punted. It was in that's Green Bay in week two but I you bring up a point that is kind of unrelated to the Giants game but I do want to mention it Aaron because I do think Madden has conditioned us that slants are easy and the more football I watch you especially see this in college football and there's going to be a memory that you have because there's just no way you've not seen this in a college game slants are one of the most dangerous passes in football people don't really talk about how if the corner gets inside on a slant you get the interception that Davis Mills threw against the Bears where all the corner has to do is put a hand on it ball tips up in the the air and you're just dead in the middle of your formation with the ball up like slants are tough because if you miss a little bit it's a pick if you miss out in front a little bit it's a pick if it gets deflected it's probably a pick and if you catch it I mean it could go for a touchdown no doubt but when you're trying to play with timing or you're worried that your offensive line could be a problem I can understand staying away from it not necessarily that that that's like great reasoning but if we're already talking about a conservative offensive coordinator Aaron he's definitely not going to hand Justin Fields the ball when the guys that are throwing slants I mean it's not going to surprise you Aaron that it's Tom Brady that it's Peyton Manning that it's Aaron Rodgers that it's Patrick Mahomes like when you think of the guys that kill people with slants shocker it's the top five top 10 quarterbacks in the game you know what I mean yeah.
1: Yeah, no, and it's, that's definitely, I would be very curious. I know you're much more of a numbers guy than I, I would be really curious to know if slants are still one of the more high percentage passes in the league now. I mean, obviously things have changed considerably in the last five or 10 years, but yeah, I don't know. It's just interesting because I, and I don't know, maybe, maybe you disagree, but, and again, I, I understand you got Aaron Rodgers, you got a better, better offensive line. I think receiving targets are pretty comparable, at least in my opinion, but looking at what Green Bay does versus what the Bears do offensively, they don't even look like the same offense, and no. it's kind of weird to me, especially even like in the running game. You know, you talk about when David Montgomery and Khalil Herbert are both healthy, you don't see that one-two punch, right? You see David Montgomery's the lead guy, Khalil Herbert is that you know the backup running back that gets some touches. So it's just it's interesting to kind of compare the two. And you know, as I'm watching this game, it's like the Patriots up three nothing, just forced a turnover, and they're at midfield. So I don't, know man. I, I'm just I. I had low expectations for this offense, um, but I think I think even my expectations have been extremely let down because, I mean, historically speaking, especially from the passing game, this has been a 1970s offense. And that's to me a little concerning. And I just I don't know, man, I don't I don't know how you properly develop a quarterback in year two doing that.
0: So the irony is, if you had talked to me about that this last week, Aaron, I would have completely agreed with you. I feel like I'm going to sound like I am just blowing sunshine, right? But in this week, we went up against a blitz-heavy offense, or a blitz-heavy defense. Fields got smoked. He got hit like 10 times today. But Aaron, we saw a young quarterback have, I think, his clear best game of the season, even amidst. Constant pressure. I thought Mustafer had a terrible game. I mean, when I'm noticing shopping, 67, shopping. just, well, I mean, yeah, but when I am noticing him in... In the middle of the game, getting smoked by Dexter Lawrence, number 97, who had himself a world-beater performance, it looked like. I mean, he was getting everything he wanted. Lucas didn't play well. Braxton Jones didn't play well. For some reason, it felt like we had no hot routes, which I'll take a look at in the All-22. And yet, Fields was one of the only reasons, because like you said, the running game really wasn't working. Hey, 12 points ain't much, Aaron. But the Bears had, tw- the Bears had uh, I think it was, three trips to the red zone, mostly mm-hmm. because number one found, found a way in some cases. Yeah. And that is progress. And I would have agreed with you last week, uh, the Bears' offensive system and personnel is just making it really hard for fields to develop. And here he is with time, w- no pressure, and he's missing wide open dudes. This is bad. I even said yeah. as much last week. Yeah. But this week, script flipped. He had very little opportunity. The personnel around him kind of let him down. I mean, I know I don't want to over focus on two plays, but Mooney not catching a ball that came into his shins that we see we've seen Patriots receivers and Green Bay receivers literally catch for years. I mean, yeah. literally catch those things for years. And then Dante Pettis not catching a ball where it was just him and his hands and his upper body all alone against a defender that was driving into his lower body and he couldn't quite hang on to it. Like that's those are the plays that you would hope that better receivers help you out on, let alone alone shaking loose on some things earlier. Fields developed and showed progress amidst a bad situation. I would be stunned if in the film room, Justin Fields is going to be told you played poorly, and I don't think he feels near the same way he did. If anything, Aaron, I find it encouraging that after a performance that Fields himself called trash last week, he responded with what felt to me like a calm, decisive game against the Blitz. Whether he was decisive with his arm or with his feet, he was decisive. I also want to see Fields, he's never going to look like a West Coast quarterback, but I kind of do want to see Fields, you know, kick the ball out on time. a a few more times like right now it looked like he played much more on time in the intermediate passing game and certainly more on time on the deep throw that he had to Mooney but let's get it let's get a couple more short throws the short throw he had to uh to Mooney on the RPO came out a little bit slowly but you know what it was progress and the stat sheet's gonna say six sacks that's no good even though two of them were him running out of bounds for zero yards but i definitely feel like fields is nine for 20 stat line doesn't show what probably must have been four to five throwaways among a couple other tight end completions and Overall, I really thought he took a step forward today and reminded us this is why he has 17 games, assuming that he can play all 17 games because this Mm. offensive line has me wondering, (laughs) can he? You know what I mean?
1: Yeah, no, I I think that's fair, especially, you know, kind of looking forward to just even next week, man. I mean, you're looking at that defensive line of the the Vikings and that's not going to be an easy one either. No, I I agree. I, I, I do think, again, I don't think Fields played super well. But considering the circumstances, I mean, I I thought he did completely fine. I thought it was a massive step up from last week, which I mean, I guess maybe not. Maybe isn't saying a ton, but yeah, I think. Yeah, but (laughs) I, I think again, this is kind of getting back into that territory of what we've seen. Like even if, and again, I'm not comparing Trubisky and Fields, but I think when we go back in the beginning when we were looking for flashes from Trubisky, this is the same type of stuff that we saw from him, where it was like he'd make plays. And the, and the talent around him failed. And, you know, and, that, and that's kind of, at least to me, I feel like kind of going back to the offseason plan, I would have much rather have seen them put a ton of resources as much as they could into that offensive line and have the receiving core that they had because really they didn't put a ton of resources into the receiver. But And that's exactly why because I feel like when Fields actually has time and when he can actually move around in the pocket, he's not worried about, you know, Maneuvering the pocket nearly as much. I think he's a much better quarterback. But again, these are the kind of small things. And we talked. I mean, we've we've talked about it personally. I've talked about it in articles I wrote. And I'm sure you have too. Where develop is not, development with quarterbacks is not linear. You know. No. So obviously, you look at it from you know uh, Zach Wilson's perspective, Trevor Trevor Lawrence's perspective, Mac Jones, all that stuff. But even within each game, it's not going to be a steady incline every single week. And I think we've kind of seen that where. Week one, you can hang on to the second half of the game. Week two, wasn't a whole lot to hang on to. Week three, absolutely nothing to hang on to. And I think this, this week, we're kind of back into that kind of, uh, I would say, close to a week one performance where Justin Fields did a lot more good than he did bad. And mm-hmm. I think that that's just kind of the product of the situation that the Bears are in and that Justin Fields is in because of what is around him. And I think, obviously, he's not without blame for some of this stuff. But at the same time, how can you expect him to get – a lot better develop when the offensive line is horrible. The receivers are horrible. Cole Komet's terrible. Like they don't have any good tight ends right now. Like there's nothing, there's no real redeeming thing outside of maybe Darnell Mooney. And let's be honest, man, Darnell Mooney for as much as everybody wanted to talk about him as a actually true number one receiver. I think we're seeing it again. Like we did last year, if you ignore his numbers, Darnell Mooney is a really good number two. There's nothing wrong with that at all but he is not the traditional number one that you can rely on and run your office. Even with some of the numbers he had today, he still had that pass that he should have caught. There are Mm -hmm. still plays that he has to make and he's not making them. So again, it's a product of the situation and they're doing them. They're doing fields, no favors. But again, I think that this is something that you can at least hang your hat on and say, okay, let's see what happens next week. Hopefully we'll start seeing some, two hundred yard games and maybe by the end of the year we'll start seeing some three hundred yard games. But also knowing that this isn't going to be an up, 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 you know, staircase. This is going to be a little bit of a little bit of a wavy line. Totally.
0: I mean I made the same argument I'm about to make for Mitch Trubisky, so it's only fair that I make the same for Justin Fields, which, if I'm already making the same argument for both, maybe, you know, the proof's in the pudding, but we've got 13 more games to evaluate anyways, Aaron, so I'm just gonna, we're just gonna sit and wait, but I don't think that it's fair to a mobile quarterback like Fields to just look at the passing box. You have to include the rushing yards, and with the rushing yards, he was, okay, so if you think about his stat line as if all of his runs were dropbacks, he He was 17 for 28 on his dropbacks with 215 yards, an average of about 7.67 yards per play with like three major third and longs picked up with his legs. Obviously it looks better on the stat sheet to complete a pass and have Herbert run for 20 yards, even though the pass is easy because it looks like a 20 yard pass, but it does mean something to me that whereas last week I thought he was very very behind when it came to snap to decision. This week, he made not one, not two, but multiple plays where people can say he pulled his eyes down, I hear you, but he made a quick decision. He went out and got the play with his feet. He, he did what we wanted him to do, and ultimately the Bears' offense benefited for that. I think that matters. I mean, when I look at fields right now, look, what I'm about to say is, is going to frustrate a lot of Bears fans because it's going to sound like I'm angling towards the the exception and not the rule. But the Bears, Aaron, have put Justin Fields in position where we have to assume that he's going to have to, a Josh Allen jump next year or else hmm. nothing's going to make sense. I mean, Josh Allen, if memory serves, didn't throw for 3,500 yards in 2019. He did not statistically play well, in part because the offense around him was not very good. And so days like today are more of what I would expect from fields going forward where the Bears offense got beat up and he still found a way to be. I don't want to call it like productive, productive, but he found a way to put his position or his team in position. He found a way to keep his team in the game. For the overwhelming majority of the game even if his head coach and this is me taking a shot has no guts to go for it on a fourth and three after an inside handoff at third and five which i don't really understand like i i want to understand some of the play calling i can't believe it's week four and i'm already doing the play calling thing but you don't have to call a drop back pass to do something more creative. On third and five, then an inside zone handoff that might have had his own read tag on it. I mean, you can use, Aaron, have you seen what I've seen? Because inside the red zone, when they when the Bears line up in a jumbo set with 12 personnel and they do that play action boot with fields where the running back kicks into the flat and they have another receiver run a corner route on top of that, that play has been money. They've used it like three times. They've scored on two of them and they picked up a first down on the other one. Like, it. where is that? Where is a like a pitchback pass or, or like a sorry a pitchback run? Where is anything unusual, honestly, yeah. or more usual than handing the ball off so that Dexter Lawrence can eat Sam Mustafer's lunch again? Like there there were a lot more problems than I had uh in this game than Justin Fields. I actually thought Fields played quite admirably, if I could say so. And if we got this Fields for the entire season, Aaron this was the fields that I was expecting to have to defend. A fields oh. that hits his intermediate shots, that got closer to taking his checkdowns. Little things like that second, or the the second and four scramble he had, where he looped out to his right, drew a linebacker down on him, and dumped the ball off to Trey Wesco, who had he caught it, has at least a first down, if not a little bit more. Those are the plays that we wanted to see, because last year, he couldn't complete any of them right? Yeah. Last year was a mess when he was doing that. It's taking incremental steps forward. But I mean, we got to talk about the real story, right? The Bears run defense looks awful. And if the Giants are going to just ram it down your throat like that, the Bears have got some big problems to solve in the win-loss department. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah. No, I well, I mean, and I think we kind of knew that going in though, right? If you look at this like the bears have had a really good defensive line over the last few years up until this year, you know, and obviously scheme fit age had a lot to do with why we're looking at guys like Akeem Hicks, Eddie Goldman, yep. um, you know, Bilal Nichols, Roy Robertson Harris, who's no longer here, like all those guys. And I think that that's kind of been a little bit of an adjustment. Cause I, I think when you look at this, especially this interior defensive line right now, I, one, I don't think they're helping out the linebackers at all. Um, And two, I, I think when you're looking at it, it's like when you're starting nose tackle is a guy in Angelo Blackson who has his moments, but that's still not your prototypical, it shouldn't be your prototypical no tackle. Uh, Justin Jones has been a lot more bad than he has been good, at least in my opinion. Um, they just don't really have a lot of talent up front right now on either side of the ball, but I think defensively, it's getting to a point where, you know, a lot of teams are just going to say, okay, well, if you don't want to let us throw the ball, then we're just going to continue to run it, and it's, it's just crazy to me that The Giants lost two different quarterbacks today and were basically going wildcat for that last drive. And they were still able to move the ball. It's like the Bears know that the run game's coming and they still can't stop it. And I think that that is very concerning to me, but it's also somewhat predictable because again, they don't really have one blue chip talent on that defensive line right now, uh, especially when you look at the interior and, and Robert Quinn's doing the same exact thing that he's done every single year, pretty much since he's been in the league, it's one year on one year off. And that was why I really wanted to see them deal him this off season because I don't think his value was ever going to be higher than it is right now. Um, so yeah, man, they can't get to the quarterback and they can't stop the run uh, from the defensive line. That's a huge issue, especially for a defensive coordinator and a defensive minded head coach. That do not like the blitz a whole lot. It's it's going to cause quite a bit of issues. But for all that being said, they only gave up twenty points. So I mean, for as bad as that feels, I think if the offense is actually moving the ball, I mean, look at dude, look at the lines, look at what the lines just did. Like look at oh, what the yeah. lines have done almost every single game. Their offense scores a ton of points, and their defense is terrible. The Bears are the exact opposite. Their defense has been bad in 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 areas and you know whatever else. But at the same time. They're still only giving up 17, 20, 22 points a game. It can be a lot worse than it is.
0: So, Aaron, I feel like you're – so I see you all over White Sox Twitter. I know you're a baseball Mm -hmm. fan. I feel like the Bears' defense is like that starting pitcher you have that's like third in the rotation where he rarely gets shelled. It's very rare to see that guy go out there, give up six runs by the second inning. But he's also rarely going to pitch less than two or, like, are rarely going to allow less than two and pitch any shutouts. The Fangio defense that the Bears have come from, the Sean Desai defense, look, I'm not about to try to compare the two more than any. I feel like fundamentally any offense can hang 20 on the Bears. That's the downside. The bright side is fundamentally any offense could be held to 20. But right now, it feels like when the Giants ran what felt to me, Aaron, like two plays all game long, they ran run to the right and then they flipped it to the left occasionally and then they yeah. ran a bootleg off of it and they still marched their way to a commanding lead or maybe not commanding commanding but as soon as they scored to go up seven to three they never lost the lead because anytime yeah. the Bears had a field goal they answered with another field goal and uh and I don't know I feel like the other thing that needs to be talked about—we'd be remiss if we didn't—is that as soon as the Bears' run defense finally gets a stop, so the opposing offense goes into pass mode, they have had an obvious passing down. And what do they do? They target number six. And what happens? He gives it up. Like, I I want to be— so. There's a lot of talk right now about how Luke Getze and Matt Iberflus do not care about developing players. They're just trying to win games. And part of me keeps looking at this. You and I talked about this before we went live, Aaron. I want that to make sense. But they're right now, they had a plan to rotate guards all the way through week four for crying out loud. They're having Kyler Gordon learn nickel corner and outside corner at the same time. And Aaron, he's not a bad outside corner when they actually let him play outside corner. He looks like a normal second round pick rookie, but he is getting killed on the inside. And is it going to really shock you when I tell you Aaron that normally you or whether it's UDFAs that sit in a system and learn for a little while, these nickel corners like they're hard to find and normally they have a little bit of veterancy because NFL nickel might be one of the hardest positions on any defense to play and it's definitely really tough in the modern day where Justin Jefferson and the best receivers on the other team are all going to line up in the slot. I can't help but feel like what we are seeing with Kyler Gordon is not the product of a talented second round pick, quote unquote, just being bad. I feel like he's getting done dirty by his coaches because you want to talk about setting somebody up to fail. Obviously, you want to see Kyler Gordon play his leverage a little bit better. Obviously, you want to see him adjust to NFL speed a little better. Obviously, I'm not saying that he's playing well. I am saying I feel like Kyler Gordon is not being allowed to focus on his transition to the NFL and is instead being completely overloaded with responsibility and just getting torched on account of it. And if you want to, if you need any proof, just watch the way he sucks up for play action, which, you know, it's not, it's not a problem exclusive to him either. The whole linebacking crew and Jaquan Brisker are all massively overplaying play action right now.
1: Yeah, no, I agree. I, I think, uh, That's kind of what it goes back to, man. Like we talk about Justin Fields and we look at the deep inside of the ball and yes, they are giving guys like Kyler Gordon an opportunity. Yes, they are giving guys like Braxton Jones an opportunity. But then you start looking at what they're doing with, you know, Kyler Gordon and then you see what they're doing with Kevin Jenkins. Yes, I realize he wasn't their draft pick. He's still a second round draft pick that has performed consistently, like they're probably their first or their second best offensive lineman. I would say that the only one that you could argue that has probably been better consistently has been Cody Wyker, right? So, and obviously he's hurt now, so we're gonna have to see what happens. But that's, that's where it's like, okay, you're in the middle of a rebuild, play your young guys, put them in positions to succeed and figure out what you have. And this is something that I've been talking about all off season, they have to get answers. And right now, and again, it's just four games into a 17 game season. But so far, man, they're, at least in my opinion, they don't got a lot of answers. And they got to figure out a lot of different things over these next, uh, what would that be, the 13 games? And mm-hmm. I just, I don't know, man. Like, again, I, it's still early. But at some point in time, they're going to have to start making some decisions. Um, and I think that one of those is going to be, you know, Gordon needs to just be playing outside. Um, I think the other one is, you know, Tevin Jenkins needs to be starting a right guard. And I also think that they're going to have to they're going to have to make a decision uh, with those tackles because you can't have two tackles playing as bad as both of those guys are right now, especially in pass protection. Uh, you went out and you signed Riley Reef. It may be about time to give Riley Reef a look at one of those tackle positions if it's going to help the quarterback.
0: I feel so bad for Larry Borum and Braxton Jones because Larry, or let's take Braxton Jones to be like to just pick one and focus on him, right? I don't think Braxton's been bad at all, considering what a fifth-round rookie normally looks like at left tackle. He's just going up against Kayvon Thibodeau and Nick Bosa and the best pass rushers in the NFL. For crying mm-hmm. out loud! Like when you go up against uh, when you go up against the Lions, congrats, you get to go up against Aaron Hutchinson. When you play the Vikings, congrats, you get to play whatever edge rusher they've got working because I can't remember who it is right now. The Packers, congrats, Rashad, Rashad Gary. Like it is it is wild to me the expectation versus reality that a lot of people have had for what a fifth round rookie should look like at left tackle because they're having to go up against the best players in the NFL. Borum, same thing. I mean, I see a comment in our chat here that talks about how Borum is a major problem. It's not that I disagree with you. He's just a fifth round sophomore. I mean, pedigree matters with these things Aaron I get that everybody jokes around when the Bears sign somebody like or trade for somebody like Nikhil Harry who's like oh he's a former first round pick but usually the guys that are drafted that high have talent Mm i.e. Tevin Jenkins who every time he steps on the field especially in run blocking scenarios looks like one of the best offensive linemen the Bears have because he was drafted the highest they have talent when you get drafted that high and it's i mean i i feel like both of these tackles are kind of getting hung out to dry it's not yeah. that the bears are doing nothing schematically to help them they're certainly trying to help or to send pass protection their way whether that's chips rubs or anything else Herbert is a pretty awful pass protector I think we watched him see an unblocked edge rusher just walk right by him for one of the sacks so I mean that is a real Achilles heel you can tell why he's not a starting running back every time he's in these third down scenarios because it's just it's just not his game he's a pure runner but it is a little bizarre to me that the Bears have by all the counts an average left tackle just riding the bench as Fields takes hit after hit after hit Mm -hmm. from the blind side. I mean, I can't fault Fields for the fumble that he had today. Maybe I'm being an apologist, but when you get beat in about 2.4 seconds and the edge rusher is able to touch the ball on your windup. I don't really think it's the quarterback's fault because I've watched Aaron Rodgers fumble that ball. I've watched Kirk cousins fumble that ball. Mm -hmm. I've watched Tom Brady fumble that ball. I've watched way too many good quarterbacks when their left tackle just gets smoked. Give that same ball up for me to say that a blindside strip sack like that is the quarterback's fault. And so if I sound like a fields apologist today, I thought this was his best game of the season. This is the most hope, or like, this is a very nice piece of hope. But boy, oh boy, the line needs to figure something out because I thought by the time Patrick came in at left guard, he looked bad. I thought the pass protection in general, like, Aaron, the all 22 is going to tell us a lot because either. The Bears thought that they would be able to block up all these blitzes. Some offenses do this where they deliberately don't have a hot route because they say, "Okay, we're ready for six. And if six comes, then we're going or then we're going to just block them and we'll take our five against their five. Or I guess it's our four against a five man coverage net. That did not happen for the bears today as in multiple situations, it looked like an extra runner bled through, uh, the blocking scheme where six would attempt to block six and one would lose. And suddenly fields was rolling way out to his left, throwing the ball away. And it's another incompletion against and a blown play. It was, it was gross out there. Did you see
1: the same? I did. I did. Yeah. It's, they just, they've got so much to get figured out right now, offensively. Um, and, I, I don't even know where they're going to start, but they've got to start somewhere. And I think that the, the tackle position, especially if Cody Whitehair is going to be out long term. I mean, the reality of it is, is anytime you're ruled out that early with any injury, it's never a good sign. But they've no. got to start doing something and figuring something out. And, you know, we'll see what happens. But, uh, all right, man. Well, hey, I got to get going because I've still got a few different, uh, a few different deadlines here I got to meet. Um, you bet. Yeah. So what's coming, Aaron? Plug. I, I don't even know, man. I, I just do the same. I do the same things, uh, you know, for Bear Report and Winnie City Gridiron every week. is basically the same thing. You got a mailbag and uh, ten thoughts or ten takes uh, from Winnie City Gridiron, and you got winners and losers and what to watch for with a, with a Bear Report. So yeah, just pretty much just chugging along, and it's always tougher when they <laughs> when they lose these yep. kind of games, and you don't want to talk about them for very long. But here we are, man, in the midst of a rebuilding season. These are uh, these are what make. Uh, make the winning seasons, you know, covering this team more fun, I guess.
0: Right. Right. Exactly. Thankfully, there's something positive to look out for. Aaron, thanks so much for joining me.
1: I'll talk to you soon. Absolutely. Thanks again for having me on. You bet.
0: All right. Well, Bears fans, the podcast isn't over because we didn't talk about Eddie Jackson yet and I was not allowed or about to let that opportunity pass me by. Number four has been stellar. I feel like I have at times been popping crazy pills, Over the last two seasons, because Eddie Jackson has become or went from favorite to underperformer to bad. And he has been phenomenal. While the all 22, I think, has vindicated him in 2020 and 2021. I might go so far as to say that Eddie Jackson is the piece that is holding this defense together. He bailed Kyler Gordon out on an interception today that I don't think most center fielders get to. And he just, he, he rolled up and took that ball away as well as a couple of huge tackles throughout the game. There was a huge one early in the game in particular where Saquon Barkley blasted through the hole was wide open. And all he had to do was shake Eddie Jackson who was coming in at an angle. Those tackles are tough, but Eddie Jackson was able to break down, Wrap up Saquon Barkley and bring him down. Yes, we're talking about a 15 yard gain. I hear you. But we, like, as a safety, okay, so do we, do we Bears fans all remember the 55, 56 yard gain that Khalil Herbert had last week? That's because he, Herbert, sh- shaked and baked the safety. And immediately picked up 30 more yards. A safety, especially when you're in cover one, cover three, which the Bears have been in a lot, has to make that tackle or it's a huge gain. So Eddie was able to, I don't want to immediately say save a touchdown, but we are talking about Saquon Barkley. So little plays like that where you uh, you cut a chunk play down to a good play is huge we also had a nice little game from kindle vildor number 22 who i think has fit cover two really really well cover two is a slightly more simplified scheme it puts you on an island a little bit less than plenty of the other offenses or defenses that you will run and i think 22 has played really well within this cover one cover three cover two scheme as his own corner honestly he hustles to the ball he is the epitome of hits and i think that that works well for him um I felt like Herbert was fairly pedestrian today, but there really wasn't much to block on the offensive line. I don't really know where Getzy's run creativity went, as we talked about earlier in the show, but it was a little bit of a bummer to see such a banner day against Houston, partially because they really were calling everything that they could. They brought the whole toolkit out against the Houston Texans, and you don't run for 241 yard, or 281 yards on accident. And then today, it felt like all, almost all the runs were just basic gap runs basic inside zone runs kind of felt pretty elementary and so I don't know whether part of that was the the fact that they were in the Meadowlands I don't know whether part of that is because Cody Whitehair got hurt and they didn't feel like Patrick and everything else or Patrick and the rest of the line were ready to play together I know offensive lines need time to gel but overall I really did come away from this game final thoughts wise much much more upbeat than I did last week I get it the Bears lost I know And that's a bummer, but the bears right now, I don't think are set up to win a championship. I think that the way that the Bears get closer to winning a championship is Justin Fields showing us strides, whether or one way or another, and the coaching realizing what they need to tailor and figuring it out while the Bears, I hate saying this, probably lose games. This kind of loss where Valus Jones drops a punt at the end of the game and a potential game-winning drive immediately dissipates and the Bears just lose are how you get a little bit closer to Jalen Carter without necessarily seeing fields sink the ship it's bizarre in two weeks to go from fields is the only reason that a win was almost a loss to fields was the lone or fields and mooney were the bright spots on a on an offense that really really struggled personnel wise today and seemed to lose matchups left and right but you know what That's just where we feel where we are this season. We're going to go back and forth for a little bit and that's okay. We've got 13 more games to try to iron some of this stuff out as Justin Fields tries to provide us answers. And hopefully by the end of the year, we've got some kind of answer one way or another. Um, But... I, I'm starting to wonder if we really are going to. I mean, I don't want to wish murky question marks on anybody, but it is not unlikely. Looking at the schedule now, taking both of these last two games into account, last last week the Houston Texans, second best running rushing attack in the NFL to that point, because of great games against the Packers and the Texans, the Bears looked like they might just Jimmy their way to eight to nine wins. A loss like this against the or against the Giants, where the Bears look extremely beatable, and suddenly all those three and third. Four and 13 uh, predictions come to mind. It's likely that the Bears land around six wins. It's likely that Justin Fields... Hopefully, takes some steps forward. I hope that his quick decision making continues. I want to see him get the ball out a little bit faster on not only that RPO, but the rollout that he had, where he threw that snipe to Dante Pettis that got tipped away. Get that ball out just a little bit faster, and it's a nice catch. Instead, it was just a smidgen late, and so he or the the safety was able to range over and push the ball away. That was a really, really accurate pass. It's just got to be a little bit faster. These are great things for a young quarterback to build off of even if the, the results aren't quite what we wanted but we're just gonna have to wait and see next up the Bears take on the Vikings and that'll honestly be quite a game as I don't know what the Bears are gonna do to lock down Justin or Justin Jefferson or the Vikings rushing attack that really isn't all that bad maybe just maybe they end up finding finding a way to win against the Vikings, who just survived on account of a double doink. Don't bring up the bad memories. But overall, this game, much more fun one to break down on the All-22. Can't wait for Tuesday evening at 8 p.m. Keep an eye on my Twitter at Robert K. Schmitz, as I'll be going through the All-22 as early as tomorrow afternoon, more than likely. But it should be a whole lot of fun, because I felt like the Bears came away with some really positive things this week. I think that the defensive line, is going to have problems, but we've been saying that for a little while. So until next week, everybody, bear down, and thanks so much for bearing with me.